Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck coming to you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company here in the beautiful Total Turf Complex, South Jersey's premier sports and entertainment location in Pittman, New Jersey. I got our usual booth. I got my uh, hazy IPA, and I got Dr. Frey with me. Dr. Frey, how was your weekend? Weekend was great. Uh, we went out to Gettysburg, had a really nice time out there. Showed my daughter the battleground, the, the town out there. Awesome, awesome 4th of July weekend. We got a uh, great topic on hand for tonight, talking about Achilles injuries. Uh, and truth be told, this uh, topic was sparked somewhat by uh, two childhood friends of mine, both South Jersey guys, uh, Gloucester Catholic graduates, one of them recovering from a meniscus tear, and the other actually had uh, an Achilles tendon rupture repair last Friday. So. I uh, know you guys are both listening, we thank you for that and wish you guys a speedy recovery, but uh, we had to bring in an expert on the topic of Achilles injuries. Dr. Frey, who do we got tonight? We have Dr. Matt Brandt, foot and neck specialist here at Reconstructive Orthopedics. Which, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys bringing me on. I'm from Pennsylvania. I did my schooling at uh, NYCPM in New York City. I did my residency in South Jersey here at Inspira Health Network, local. Um, and I joined Reconstructive Orthopedics about six years ago. Well, we were going to kick tonight's uh, episode off with uh, a little bit of a local flavor. Philadelphia Phillies center fielder Roman Quinn uh, tore his Achilles uh, back on uh, May 29th. Uh, 28-year-old, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, uh, never really lived up to the expectations. Was only batting 173 this season, although he was having a hot May, batting 375 when the injury happened. Crushing it. Crushing it, of course. That's the way <laughs> things always happen in sports. But, uh, you know, for his career, only batting 228 in, you know, 512 plate appearances. But he's fast. But he is fast. So his sprint speed ranks him fifth overall in baseball, uh, and his arm speed is ranked in the highest as well. So he continues to find playing time. Uh, but he's going to be out for quite some time right now. Um, MRI revealed a uh, complete rupture of the tendon. That was done two days later. But Dr. Brandt, you know, hoping you could help us out. Uh, tell us everything we need to know about the Achilles tendon. So the Achilles is a, it's a powerful flexor in the posterior aspect of the leg. So it's in the back of the leg. It connects the heel bone to the calf muscle, the gastrocnemius, the soleus muscle bellies. It's actually the strongest, strongest thickest tendon in the body, it's your plantar flexory force, so it pushes your foot down as, as if you're pushing a gas pedal. It's important to push off when you're, you know, it, it's, it's, it's your main plantar flexor when running, pushing off. Jumping. Jumping. Um, so it's, it's a common injury, you know, for athletes. And so much force gets pushed through this tendon because the, the calf muscles are so, you know, so strong and so powerful. The Achilles has a what we call watershed region, maybe a couple centimeters above where it inserts into the into the heel bone. So that's it's a little bit of a avascular area. There's less blood flow to that area, and this is where it tends to have these high-grade ruptures. So when these guys, these athletes, are really pushing through it, really really putting a lot of force through it, it you know that's that's the area where it can just have a high-grade rupture. It can just pop, and you know it can be a devastating injury for these guys. This is something that can take you know up to a year or more i think um you know the average is maybe eight to eleven months to to heal these injuries and you know a lot of the issue is it's you know you once once you get this tendon to heal and the tendon itself might heal in you know six eight weeks or so you lose so much muscle strength in that time that you're down 
um, rehabbing it and you're, you're immobilizing, you're non-weight bearing, trying to let the tendon heal, that you lose so much muscle strength and you have to build that back up. And we kind of say it's maybe like a three to one ratio of rebuilding that strength. You know, so if you're, if you're not using your Achilles for a month, you know, a month, it's, it's maybe three months to build it back. Two months, it's maybe six months to build it back. So that's why these things are taking maybe, you know, nine months or more to heal. That's a really good point. Like, you know, as it is, just bouncing back from the injury itself, right, from the tear itself and getting getting the injury to heal takes a long time. But but you're absolutely right. There's massive atrophy in that period of time. And, and to bounce back from that, it's, you know, it's not the six months, nine months, uh, you know, a year just for the tendon healing. But but you got to rebuild your, 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 your calf, your gastroc and your soleus and whatnot afterwards. Yeah, by the time you start, you know, the immobilization process and you start, you know, the physical therapy process, it's the, you know, the calf muscles just, you know, flubber, you know, it takes a lot of time to build that muscle tissue back. Right. You know, and that, that's actually an interesting argument. You know, we talked a little bit. Surprisingly, this, this, this remains somewhat of a controversial topic. Uh, in terms of operative versus non-operative repair, right? In 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 Europe, frequently they they're, they're more. This is more of a non-operative injury where they treat it without surgery. In the U.S., it tends to be more of an operative injury, and they they, they tend to fix it more. And one of the advantages to fixing it, and there are advantages and disadvantages to both approaches. One of the advantages to fixing it is that you, know, you start range of motion a little bit sooner, and you can start weight bearing a little bit sooner. And and you know, I didn't even factor that part of the equation into my own little algorithm. That you know, the more time that you are that you spend just in a cast plantar flex with your toes pointing down and really doing nothing with it, the more you're going to atrophy, and that's added time on the other end. In terms of recovering it, it's a very you know I, I wasn't even factoring that part into my into my algorithm yeah I think the idea is you know you you know when you do fix these it allows you to weight bear earlier rehab it earlier you know we kind of look at it as you know someone with a high physical demand especially an athlete like this you know we you know the idea is we we generally go for you know going, going for the repair the surgical repair someone with a lower physical demand you know, someone more sedentary, you know, we kind of go with a plantar flex cast or, sure. you know, a heel wedge in their boot right. and try to let it heal conservatively. Right. Dr. Brown, we mentioned uh, Roman Quinn as, you know, an athlete that, uh, you know, really makes his presence known by just his speed alone. Uh, so on the play, he, you know, he's trying to score from first base on a ball hit to the deep corner. Uh, and he's taking this real wide turn around third, stumbles a bit, falls to the ground, gets up, maybe runs a step. And then you see him basically hopping on one foot towards home play. And, you know, truth be told, he scored on the play. So a credit to his you know, tenacity there to get through the play. Um, is there predisposed uh, conditions that he may have been having or are these Achilles tendon ruptures just completely, you know, freak of the nature type things? I mean, there there are things that can predispose it. Like if you have a tight Achilles tendon, you know, called Aquinas, but... You know, these guys, they're not suffering from Aquinas. These guys are such, you know, they're so conditioned and, you know, they, they're they they're so flexible. It's, I think that this is more of a case of, you know, these guys are just working out so much. They're just so big and strong. It's just like their muscles are overpowering these tendons. And, you know, I think it's you get so much force going through that tendon that sometimes it's just like the way your foot's twisted, the way, the exact way you plantar flex. You know, it's just it's just so much force going through it that it just 
it can just pop. So it's easy to, I mean, it's it's not as easy to say as Roman was probably having Achilles tendonitis leading up to that injury. It's, it's not, not I mean, always the case. Yeah, yeah, not always that case. I put my mind at ease. So you know, a few years back with the Philadelphia Soul, I had a, a wide receiver. We played on a Saturday evening. Uh, Thursday after practice, he was saying his calf was a little bit tight. Uh, asked me to stretch it, massage it. And then he was like, don't say nothing. He's like, obviously I'm playing. It's just a little tight. Sure enough, two days later, he ruptures that Achilles. <laughs> I mean, should I have should I have suspected something when he came in like that? I mean, if it's in the muscle belly, I don't think you really necessarily look that much because you can have you know you can have cramping, mm -hmm. you know you can have tightness in the muscle, but it's the it's the people that kind of have pain in that in the tendon itself, especially mm -hmm. in that watershed region. Right. That's where you'd want to think, you know, maybe yeah. shut it down for a little bit, scale yeah. back a little bit. I'll just, it's one of those things I'll never forget, know, right? Man. Like I've always left myself like, boy, should I have just told coach and then maybe sat him or, you know? Of course, and, you're beating yourself up. But yeah. I think you see that, you know, 30 times and 29 times, right. right? Like it's nothing. And then it just so happened that that one time that he, he tore it a couple of days later. You know, if someone who's dealing with this for a while and they have what we call fusiform changes of so swelling, like that, you know, really at that one particular spot, you become a little more nervous or a little more concerned. Like, honestly, I, if someone came in and it was the first time complaining of some tenderness and discomfort, I don't think I would have even considered shutting him down. I don't think he did the wrong thing there. It was just really unfortunate that that guy tore. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Brand, take us a little bit into your world. So you're, you're in the operating room. You're repairing one of these. Um, what are you seeing? You know, what, what does it look like from your scope of things? So when we go in and we, we have the patient prone on the operating table, so they're laying on their belly. We uh, open up the back of the leg. We, we we look at the tendon. There's always a big hematoma, and then we call it like a mop end appearance of the tendon. Looks so like that, a mop. That, a mop, that right. tendon just kind of explodes. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's dried blood and you know hematoma in there. So you clean it all out. It kind of used to be, um, you know, clean up those mop ends and take out a lot of that area and kind of put put nice clean ends back together. But then it's shortening it up so much and. You know, so now nowadays we're kind of just putting these tendon ends back together and kind of leaving some of those mop ends, you know, those those random. Clean it up a little bit, but yeah, and yeah. a lot of it you clean it up with some of the suture, right? You know, right, you right. Like wrap it back it in. To look, take form again. Yeah, so we, you know, you, you basically you do an end-to-end -end repair. You put it back together, and, and there's a specific way you suture it, kind of up each side of it, you know, up up one side, down the other side, and you can take, you know, you clean up that mop end in that area. So. You kind of suture it in a way that it's an interlocking suture. Very There's strong stitch. A couple different ways to do it, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's it's meant to. It's almost like a. It's almost like a. You know, like a Chinese finger trap. The way you suture it together, so it's like you pull on it. You know, and, and it's, it can still tighten on itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's a little bit of a rebarb there, where, where you're throwing this, the the stitch stitch through the through the tendon, and then the next stitch is sort of using the previous stitch as a rip stop that it won't pull through. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, crack out style stitch, which, you know, in the medical profession, that makes sense to everybody who does it. And, and but, but it is sort of relying. It's a, just a very strong way to stitch. There's a lot of, it's become very unlikely that it would re-tear. And with, with some of the newer, newer, 10 years, we'll say 15 maybe, type stitches, we have these ultra braid stitches that are super, super strong that, that we'll use. And it is, it's a very strong way to repair it. Before we move on to the recovery process, uh, Dr. Brent, Roman Quinn tore his other Achilles in 2013. Thoughts on that? Just a series of unfortunate events or? Yeah, that's that's tough to say. I mean, it, 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 
it may, there may be a hereditary component to it. You know, it's like, you know, there may be something with his, you know, with his Achilles, where there's a little bit tighter than, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I, I, I honestly think what it is, is like, you know, the, these guys are professional athletes and their muscles are so strong overpowering those tendons. Right. And maybe he was just a little bit tight. Maybe it was, you know, there's something hereditary to it, but I, I, I couldn't say for certain. Yeah. So after surgery, you know, walk us through the recovery process for, for anybody, whether it be an athlete or just the everyday individual. You know, what does the first, what does the first few weeks, few, few months look like? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, everybody's got their own preferences. Kind of what I do is, you know, I'll, I'll keep them non-weight bearing for the first two weeks. You know, absolutely. You know, in a, in a posterior splint, they leave the operating room with crutches. Um, absolutely non-weight bearing. Then we bring them in and we take the sutures out. We kind of check the wound, the incision and make sure it looks good. You know, at that point, we normally what I'll do is I'll put them into like a cam walk with a little wedge in it and just say kind of just like just be able to like toe touch weight bearing, touch the ground a little bit, just have a little bit of tension through there. I think nowadays it's become more of, you know, early weight bearing. You want to get a little bit more Accelerated protocols, yeah. Yeah, you you don't want, you know, six months of being in a cast because then it's like massive atrophy of the muscle. So we're walking them a little bit earlier. You know, I, I, you know, you want to start physical therapy in and around that, you know, four to six, maybe eight week mark, depending on the patient, depending on the surgeon. But this is something that's going to take a good eight, you know, 10 months, you know, it is. if, if not more. And it's a long recovery. You, know, you start with the, you start with the wedges, you start with offloading. It's a ton of physical therapy. It can be multiple courses. Physical therapy is a huge component to it. Sure. You know, the, the rehab process is, is so important. And. You, know, you start with wedges in your shoes, and it's just like everything's just baby steps. You know, and that's contrasted with with non-operative management, where typically it's six to eight weeks in that plantar flex position, either in a in a boot with those wedges in there, so your toes pointing down, or in a cast. With, you do get a little bit of a jump start, especially with the the um, with the accelerated protocols, where you know two weeks, three weeks, you start putting some weight on it, then you start pulling the wedges out and bringing the foot up to what we call uh, neutral or plantar grade. Um, you know, typically when I do it from the operative standpoint, around six weeks, I'm usually getting them up to neutral and then letting, letting them start to progress to full weight bearing right around then in the boot, as opposed to still having the, the point, the, the toe pointing towards the ground, you know, 30 degrees towards the ground, um, and staying off it for, for another two weeks beyond that. So that is the advantage. Now, the drawback is any risks that are associated with the surgery. If you don't have surgery, you don't have, you don't have risks of wound complications. And this happens to be an area where that is a big risk. And there are, there are, there are other risks that are associated. Um, I think one of the advantages to the, to the surgical intervention, you know, for a while, let's say 15, 20 years ago when I was a resident, they would say, you know, re-rupture rate of 5% with surgery and, and uh, 25% without surgery. I think that gap has closed dramatically. I think now... With more recent studies, it's more like a 5% difference in re-rupture rate with the advantage being towards surgical intervention. And then the other one was a loss in push-off strength. So, so typically in athletes, as Dr. Brent was saying, it's advantageous to, to go down this road of surgery because you're less likely to lose some of that strength. So you're more likely to be able to get back to your, your level of play. With the I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a long process. And- you know, I tell these people, I tell everyone when we first, you know, say to schedule this and we say, you know, there's going to be a point where you're going to come in and you're going to say, you know, 
I don't know if this is working. I'm not making, I'm not making progress. And I say, look, you just got to keep going with the physical therapy, right. keep, you know, trusting this, you know, process of rehab and, you know, just, just gradual, like baby steps with everything. And, but everybody, I say, you're going to, you're going to reach a point where you get frustrated and, you know, it's like, you just got to keep going with the physical therapy. Just trust me on it. Like you reach a plateau. You get that. You reach a plateau with it. What are the realistic expectations for patients when, when, when you talk to them? Is, is, do you tell them without a doubt you can get back to your same level of participation, whether you're a weekend warrior or a, an athlete? or No, I mean, really the goal, you know, we say the goal is to, you know, be able to just get around and walk comfortably. It's like it's, it's, a, it's kind of an added bonus to get back to, you know, the physical, you know, performance that you were at before and the level of physical activity that you were at before. So, you know, really it's like the goal is – be able to go about your life comfortably, walk around comfortably, you know, and do you know, stuff. Basically, yeah, <laughs> not walk with a limp, and you know, you know, if you rehab it, and you 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 stick to the program, and you know, you have no setbacks, and hopefully, you get back to where you you know were before and where you want to be. I bring that up because I think uh, every Philadelphia Phillies fan will recall uh, another pretty devastating Achilles tendon tear oh, yeah. um, to Ryan Howard. Uh, game five of the NLDS in 2011. Um, I think many would say he, you know, he was Beginning never the same. The end. Yeah, yeah sure. he was never the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, and he's a big guy. You yeah. know, it's like, you know, that's that's a that's a lot of force going through that tendon, and, and you know, it's a lot. Of, a lot of these athletes, it's, you know, it's 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 their muscle definition and their the length of their tendons and the you know, the bulk of their their muscle bellies are just different. It's, I think there's a lot of guys that, you know, basically it's that can be a career ending, yeah. you know, injury. Absolutely. When you talk about the uh, athlete and the patient plateauing during rehab, um, you know, can, can you touch on any like specific milestones that they're, they need to achieve during rehab? Is it just purely the strength and range of motion aspect of things? Yeah, there's a couple different milestones. So one is, you know, getting to the point where you can get to, you know, like what we say neutral, getting getting that ankle to 90 and being able to stand on it, you know, comfortably without a heel wedge in there. So, so milestone one is being able to just stand on it. <clears throat> then it's, you know, building that strength to the point where you can, you know, one big milestone is being able to do a calf raise where you can stand up, double, double leg calf raise. And then it's like, can you get to a single leg calf raise? That's that's where it's really you're, you're making progress, then, and that's where you're kind of getting back to where you need to be. And that's pretty far down the road when they can do that. That's months down the road. Yeah. That's this is you know that's 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 six months, yeah. eight months wow. down the road. A single leg calf raise. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of asked that question because it, it kind of brings us to our next athlete of discussion here, Mike Soroka of well, the uh, of the Atlanta Braves. Um, you know, had a good career going there, um, and hopefully still will. But we'll touch on that. But uh, you know, 2019, he was, I think he finished sixth in the uh, NL Cy Young voting, uh, made it to the All-Star game, and unfortunately tears his Achilles in August of 2020, uh, and he's going through the rehab process. So, you know, fast forward to May of 21, and he starts to say that, you know, according to him, that the, the rehab is plateauing, he's in a great deal of pain, uh, there's inflammation, and it was discovered that the body rejected the sutures. Um, so they had to go back in for another procedure. Um, you know, that apparently was what was causing him this pain, the inflammation, and for his rehab to kind of drop off. Um, you know, anything you could touch on with that? Yeah, sometimes uh, when you're, when the body's breaking down this suture material and there's, you know, there's, sometimes it's absorbable, sometimes it's non-absorbable suture. Um, sometimes when the body's breaking it down, it 
produces fluid and sometimes that fluid can kind of come through the incision a little bit and keep the wound open and you end up with a little bit of dehiscence you know so without the specifics of him he might have had a little bit of a wound that they were trying to clean up or trying to get closed because you don't want that achilles to get bacteria through that incision and track that, up that's into what the did ryan howard in, right he had, he had he had multiple debridements because of infection yeah. and oh man the outcome becomes a lot more the prognosis becomes a lot more poor with that situation. Yeah, you want to be aggressive with that because so, you don't want it to track up into the into the tendon. You know, so he he ended up having to have his suture removed from the tendon. And that's, you, you hope at a certain point you, you put the tendon back together and the tendon heals itself and essentially the suture is doing nothing at a certain point. You're not relying, right. you know, he's not relying on that tendon to hold a suture together, you know, as he's out there playing professional baseball. Yeah. You know, his, his, he ended up having to have that suture removed, which you know I've seen before, I've done before, and it's, sometimes it's just your body. It's not a it's not a massive rejection where it's you know, but it's it's just that your body just doesn't quite accept it, and it keeps that wound open. It can drain, creates issues. You know, just can, continue to drain a little bit through the incision. So sometimes it's to the point where you know you open it up and you take it out. And usually, when that happens, it 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 closes up quickly. You know, that's that's what it needed. The, I guess the hope at that point is that the tendon is strong enough to do the work. Like the healing is far enough along because, you know, like you said, at first you're really relying on the sutures to keep that tendon together. At some point the tendon heals and the suture's just along for the ride. But you're taking that suture out. At that point you hope he's far enough along that the, the tendon is able to do the work and the, the suture's just along for the ride and it's no big deal when you take it out. Right, same thing with you know with 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 bones and plates and right. screws. It's Absolutely. like you hold it on there, you hold it, everything in place of where it needs to be. You wait for it to heal, and then essentially it's doing nothing. You yeah. can remove. We you say can remove it. We say the race begins. You know the day you put it in, right? And eventually, if the bone weren't to heal in that in that scenario, if the bone doesn't heal, eventually the plate will fatigue and the plate will break. So what's going to win? Is the bone going to heal first, or is the plate going to break first? Ninety-nine percent of the time, the bone heals first, but every now and again, you get something called a non-union, doesn't quite heal, and eventually, plate goes. With his surgery being August of 2020, um, and then that kind of setback uh, happens nine months later, I mean, is that an appropriate timeline, in your opinion, to find out that that suture is not uh, absorbing? You know, when, when you're having suture reaction, you know, it can, sometimes you look at it and it might look like it was closed up a little bit better. You, you kind of think maybe it's looking, you know, better at this point, looking worse at this point. It may have opened up a little bit more. Um, you know, I don't know the exact specifics right. of when they that that exploratory yeah. surgery. I don't think it was really you know well documented, other than they you know they removed some sutures. And, so. right. and this is when the story gets wild, though. So uh, the rehab process starts up again. He's excelling. He's progressing. June twenty fourth, he's walking into the training facility. Uh, the team was away. They were in Cincinnati. He's walking from his car into the facility, and he pops a tendon again. Damn curb. <laughs> yeah, just 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 walking into the facility. Um, it was his first day out of the boot. If, I yeah. think if I write correctly, ominous. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and you know that's that's you know you don't expect it's because you removed the suture that caused that. It's 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 probably the fact that he had that suture in there, and it, it's just chronic inflammation and mm -hmm. chronic inflammatory tissue from the body just continually trying to break that suture down that mm -hmm. wasn't quite doing it. So his you know Achilles might have just been you know basically diseased in that area just because it had been spent so much time so many months trying to break down that suture degenerated tissue right. yeah not, not ideal good scar tissue but more degenerated type tissue i mean that's got to be heartbreaking for him i mean he's now looking at another 
what you said, nine to 12 months recovery. Well, yeah, I mean, even at this point, it's, I mean, could be even longer because at this point you're, you're dealing with, you know, more atrophy. Yeah. And more atrophy and it's in, in the Achilles that's, you know, ruptured again. So you're already dealing with an Achilles that was ruptured, that had scar tissue that was already devitalized, you know, decreased blood flow. And, you know, so that, that tissue is just not healthy, viable tissues. It's just not trying to grow back together as well. So at this point, you know, do you, do you go in and just primarily repair that again? Do you, um, do you have to add, you know, you can add a cadaver graft. I got to imagine there's going to be graft involved. Yeah. Or, or like a wrap, you wrap yeah. it with some sort of synthetic material that right. you can even, at this point you can take uh, a tendon from deep in the ankle. The it's, it's the flexor of the big toe and you can take that and kind of anchor it down in beside the Achilles, you know, FHL transfer. And maybe that can kind of stimulate blood flow and that can, you know, increase the blood flow in there, increase strength and maybe kind of like help out with that Achilles, but... I think there's, you know, about an 85% chance that this guy, after the first tear, gets back to his level of play. What... And, and, and honestly, at this point, it becomes a guess. What, what do you think, Dr. Moran, what do, you, what do you think his chances are of getting back to Major League Pitching or successfully at this point after the first tear... The, the issues with his recovery, and then now a second tear and, you know, another surgery. Yeah, I mean, that, that, is, that is a mystery. It's certainly less than 85%. In, I mean, it might yeah. be 50-50 at this point to get yeah. back to that point, at least to that strength. And especially if you go in, if, you, if you're to harvest a tendon to another, you know, it's like right. you think about us, you know, walking around with, you know, the, uh, a flexor to the bottom of the foot, but... You know, for him, you know, pitching, you know, pushing off of that foot, it's, it might be a little different. It's, right. it's going to throw off some biomechanics. It has to throw off some biomechanics. Right, you know? right. And, I mean, at this point, I mean, it's anybody's guess, but I, it's I'd maybe 50-50. I'm, I'm guessing less than that. Like, yeah. I, I hate to say it. Yeah. And it would be wonderful if he gets back. But these are, these are tough tough things to bounce back from. Yeah. Let's switch sports real quick. Um, you know, looking through the NFL injury reports, the current ones, um, and you can take them with a grain of salt, right? The, the, the NFL is not full swing right now, so the injury reports are a lot less than what they would typically be sure. uh, during the season. Just um, the really long ones. Just Yeah, just the really, really long, long ones. So, yeah. you know, for example, right now you see somebody like Joe Burrows on there who's, you know, re recovering from his ACL surgery last long season. <laughs> um, Dr. Brent, eight teams out of 32 report uh, somebody on their injury for an Achilles tendon issue. 32 teams, it's 25%. I'm just very curious what that percentage means to you. Is that a lot, a little? Would you expect more, less? Uh, I mean, I think it's not absolutely surprising. It's like, mm -hmm. I think that the numbers probably, you know, 25% probably because it takes so long to recover from this mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like these, you know, some of these statistics are carried over from the year before. It's like the new ones and the year before it's, because it's so long to recover, these you know, there's always somebody on the roster, you know, that's that's suffering from some sort of Achilles. Yeah. You know, if someone tore, tore week one, you know, may, maybe they're coming off the right. list at this point. But right. anyone who tore their Achilles at any point during that season, if they're still on a football team, they're on the injury report. Right. Still. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I agree, man. Like I, I, I think that's not an unexpected number. It no. seems about right to me. I think the one thing we've shied away from in, in other episodes, we, we've never really criticized other medical staff or other medical professionals. Um, if I were to tell you one of those teams had three players 
is that something where you would start perhaps looking at uh, the warm-ups of the team, the stretching, the dynamics of, you know, any kind of logistics? Is there a reason why, or is it just unfortunate again? Uh, I think that, you know, you, you maybe look at the warm-ups, maybe look at the stretching, and you know, right. maybe focus on the stretching. But, I mean, it's like, you know, that's, 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 yeah. t- that's tough. I mean, I've, I've been in that pro setting. I mean, when injuries start happening, usually the first person to start getting axed is the you. athletic trainer, <laughs> the, the, the strength and conditioning coaches. Right. Um, you know, we've seen teams turn over medical personnel left and right. Sure. And I, I can't imagine three, three Achilles tears in one season. Uh, you know, it's a good look. Yeah. Yeah. It might come down to conditioning. Yeah. And a lot of these guys on this level, right. They, 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 they have their own trainers. They have their own personal team and squad and they're doing a lot of this stuff for them. So it's sort of hard to say, Oh, Hey, it's the, it's the athletic trainer's fault. It's because they each have their own individual, you know, entourage that's taking care of them and doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if the primary care doc or the the team docs hanging, handing out fluoroquinolones, it's a, you know, which is an antibiotic, which has been, you know, associated with, you know, Achilles tendon t- ruptures and, and some sort. So fine, fine, right? And then, now, now you've got the culprit. But outside of that, I think it's just poor luck. Like it's hard. It's really hard to identify a specific, you know, common theme. Yeah. And like I said, look at look. At, I mean, look at the you know the look at the NFL now compared to the NFL. You know, even even ten, fifteen. You know, then you go back further and further. These guys are just so much bigger now. Right. There's so much force now. It's you know? incredible. It's it's. I mean, they're they're just they're just huge, and it's so much force right. going through that tendon. Last guy I wanted to bring up, Doctor Frey, uh, and, and truthfully, this this eight out of thirty two teams could have been nine, um, yeah. but we had the the injury to Jawan James of the Denver Broncos at the time uh, suffers an Achilles tear on May fourth uh, while he was under contract with the Broncos, and. You know, for a reason that we and, you know, Dr. Brand and Dr. Frey and I don't really know is the, the NFL Players Association kind of advised the, the team to stay away from the team facility, uh, you know, conduct their own workouts independently. Uh, Jawan uh, tears his Achilles, uh, working out with his own personal trainer uh, and the team, you know, therefore is not obligated to, you know, fulfill his contract. Right. Jawan loses about $10 million and he subsequently uh-huh. released about two weeks later, uh, you know, before even having surgery. Uh, again, we don't know the dynamics of that, of wh- you know, why that occurred. But to me, that's kind of shocking, you know? So, I la- you know, I think it was um, with good conscience that the Players Association would recommend guys staying away from the facility. COVID's happening. They're trying to minimize overlap and interaction and trying to minimize risks associated with COVID. Mm-hmm. I think this may be an un- unanticipated um uh, a casualty of that yeah. of that otherwise sound judgment. We did a show, you know, a few months ago about Drew Robinson, and I and I, I talked about my admiration for the San Francisco Giants for for taking them back and giving giving them a shot. I would say the reverse is true right now in, in terms of my admiration for for the Denver Broncos. Right, this guy's trying to do the right thing. He takes the advice of the Players Association. Uh, the NFLPA um, and has this unfortunate injury, and now they're going to use that to, yeah. to hose him, and that, that's the, the the kindest term that I can use. Yeah. Uh, I well, think it's pretty unfortunate, and yeah. I think it's pretty unfair. I mean, hold that thought. I mean, he he signs with the Baltimore Ravens. All right, right. So he uh, got signed to a two-year deal, nine million dollars. Yeah. 
think from what I read, they're going to pay him roughly 500000 the first year to rehab. Yeah. Um, you know, get right. And then year two, it, you know, it'll even out to about $8.5 million. So, uh, you know, certainly wishing him the best with that moving forward. As a Steeler fan, it's hard for me to give any credit to the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. However, I have to say I admire that. that, that move. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to about wrap it up for this evening. Dr. Brandt, can't thank you enough for joining us here tonight. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, man. Before we go ahead and close out our tab, we want to thank our sponsors, our good friends and colleagues at Reconstructive Orthopedics, the Energy Lab, the premier sports performance destination, Neck of the Woods Brewing Company for hosting us each and every week, Total Turf Experience, and our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, Kyle Miller, our editor. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time.